Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. Lisa Jo, a few of my favorite ordinary things are my husband's homemade pizza, pink geraniums on the windowsill, and the slam of the screen door. A few of mine are the beginning of baseball season, the end in sight of packing all those school lunches, and feeding the koi fish every afternoon out in the yard. We are all in for such a treat this summer because Lisa Jo has a new book arriving on bookshelves at the end of July. It's a love letter to ordinary life called The Middle Matters, Why That Extra Ordinary Life Looks Really Good on You. It's already available for pre-order, and it's for all of us who have discovered that the middle is the place where we might have outgrown the shape of our teenage genes, but have finally grown into the shape of our souls. If you've ever felt like you're drowning in ordinary life, this book is going to be your new best friend, because it will remind you that the middle years might in fact be the very best part of the love story of life kids, faith, doubt, marriage, failure, wonder, and the muffin top, and that these are all good things. Get comfy. Here we go. Lisa Joe, we told the story last week, but I think we only told half of the story. Or so. half of the story, as I would say. Oh, what do you say? Half. Half, half of the story. Of course, of course. <laughs> we only told half the story, or half. <laughs> I prefer Hoff. I might I might work on that. You know, I am completely okay if your South African accent begins to rub off on me. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> That's great. I, I think that would be lovely. I don't know how my family would feel, but I hope it happens. Well, my South African-born son, who for many years of his life had a pretty strong South African accent, mm-hmm. and even we were recently watching some video that Peter had shot when they were really little, Aww. right when we moved back to the States. When Peter was talking to Jackson, Peter had like this weird oh, South African accent. I was like... <laughs> honey, what are you saying to him? And he was saying like, come here, come here, you know, the here to Jackson. And it was funny. Clearly, Pete had also picked up some nuance. How great. And then little Jackson was saying, yeah, yeah, I am dad. It was Aww. so adorable. Aww. But now that 13-year-old makes fun of his mother's South African oh, accent. I know. Just another way our teenagers I'm like, son, the tables you, on us. you're making fun of yourself, okay? <laughs> this is where you come from. Well, I'm going to tell him that I love the South African accent, and I'm doing my best to learn it. So last week, we told half of the story. <laughs> yes. We told, it was a weekend story, and we told the Saturday portion. That's we told right. about the uh, the party that wasn't. The party <laughs> The party that never happened. The Why party we that never to happened. cancel our first party at the barn? Yes, and that was a conversation about holding tight to a vision while being flexible about yes. the timing yes. and the pacing and learning to listen and helping one another to listen. And so I thought it would be fun to tell the other Hoff <laughs> <laughs> this week. And that would be the Friday portion because yes. something really special, for me at least, happened oh. on the Friday. And that is... I, for the first time, attended one of your speaking events. I know, that was very nerve-wracking for me, Was personally. it? Oh, because it was so special. That we could have a big speaking event on Friday, and then we were going to have, like, 
200 people here on the Saturday. Like that we, would be nothing. Yes, we clearly were not we were thinking. Wrong. We were yes, not thinking. And we sometimes wrong. when you get caught up in a dream and a vision, the thinking portion of your brain shuts down for yeah. a while, which is as it should be. You right. know, when you're dreaming and you're brainstorming, <laughs> yes, I, I think the logical thinking part of you needs to stay quiet. Mm-hmm. But eventually that part will speak up. Right. And that happened to us. And our brain spoke up and said, you are trying to do too, too much, much and too fast. <laughs> and we could luckily adjust the placemaker party. Mm-hmm. However, I had already committed to be yes. at the speaking event like six months earlier. So mm-hmm. there was no getting out of that. And what was so wild is it was right here. It was local. In it Westchester. was local. Yes. Yeah. Just down the road from Maplehurst, which hasn't happened before. And I so know. I couldn't miss that, that opportunity. I'm so glad I had it on the calendar. To and it do was with so you. fun because the event said they would book a hotel for me. And I said, nope. I will be staying at my dear friend Christy's house. <laughs> I will spend the night there. So it was so perfect because I drove up that Friday afternoon and came to the house. And we, I feel like I rested upstairs. We had, oh, we had tea. Of course, of course we, we had we tea did, together. Yes. We had tea and I prepared for the event. And Christy said, I'll essentially come and be your second. You know, I That's will right. come and be your assistant and your help right with hand. books. Yeah. And it was so fun, A, to do an event that was local. Because mm-hmm. when do you get to do that? Usually I'm flying places. B, was local here close to you. Mm-hmm. And then C, to have a friend, like a good right. friend come with you is just the most tender thing. And it helps you remember who you are. It's very grounding. And speaking to large gatherings is such an important part of your life and your Mm -hmm. ministry, your calling. And I know that about you. And I love that about you. And a part of me felt like I know that I know that part of you. And yet I didn't fully know that part of you because I'd never sat under your teaching, as they say. I had never (laughs) sat in the audience as as an audience member. I'm sure I've seen video clips or, you know, I just have this sense that, of course, I've seen Lisa Jo teach. But really, in in that gathering space at that church, that local church, I realized I never have. I have not seen you in action. I'm so curious to hear this through your eyes. And it was, so I'll set the stage. It was a Friday night women's event. There, you know, often churches will do an annual night out for, you know, the women in their community. And so it wasn't just the church, it was women from the local community. So several hundred women were there. It was such a beautiful space they'd put together, wasn't it? They they thought of everything. Oh, what was really fun. And we'll put this uh, in the show notes so you can see it, but they had a photo booth. Mm -hmm. Often, you know, people will have a photo booth where friends can take pictures. And the backdrop, do you remember this? Yes. The backdrop for the photo booth was the, you know, the logo, the signage from the Friends TV show. It said Friends and there was a sofa. Oh, it was so lovely. And they had a beautiful dinner and they, you know, it was funny. They had icebreakers. And then it was my job to come and bring a message really on friendship between women. And that always feels like such a responsibility to be trusted by a church to be the person they are hoping will Mm -hmm. both entertain but also encourage uplift and teach their community so I was both excited that you were there but also nervous because you're like it's one thing to feel like you haven't done your best in front of strangers but Mm. when it's someone you really love and who knows you and who you're going to see again the next morning when you all wake (laughs) up for breakfast That can be a little intimidating. So I actually tried not to look at you too much while I was speaking. (laughs) Like every now and again, I could tell you were laughing. but And so that was encouraging. But then I'm like, don't make eye contact with Christy. (laughs) So this was the hard part for me. The only thing that was hard about it is that 
you're so funny. So you're <laughs> funny. And I know that about you. You make me laugh all the time. And I knew you would, it was a Friday night. So I knew you would tell a lot of funny stories to help it, you know, the whole atmosphere just be more relaxed. And so I knew you would do that. But what I didn't realize is that in telling funny stories of your kids, I think because I know those kids and I know mm. your family, I think that must be why the stories just really hit my funny bone in that kind of late night with girlfriends, can't stop laughing. How do I control this? And so I was in the audience sitting around those tables and I was laughing so hard at your stories. I thought I might fall out of my chair. I thought, <laughs> I'm distracting. This is bad. I am not serving my friend here by distracting Aww, the audience with no, my out of control That's the laughter. ministry of laughter from the person <laughs> in the front row. That is a gift that you give a speaker. That's also very gratifying because I'm like, you guys, the jokes I was telling had to do with skinny jeans. <laughs> I have this whole philosophy. I call it the three stages of skinny jeans. I won't go into it. You'll have to come to one of my <laughs> events. But suffice to say, it involves stories that have me critiquing the fashion industry for creating an item of clothing that is essentially human sausage casing. <laughs> and when I think about Christy, I think of her as very highbrow. So I was like, I don't know what she's going to make of my skinny jeans stories. <laughs> I love them. I love them. That was my favorite part. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite part. I love so much. I love the humor. I loved, yeah, just seeing you in that... Professional isn't quite the right word. Um, there's probably a better word that for that that um, not, not professional capacity, but that seeing you just in your vein of like excellence, like this is what you were made to do, and here you are up on stage doing it well. And I felt also just so proud, Aww. like she's my friend, and look at her <laughs> up so there, kind. like look what she can do. And Aww. I remember thinking, oh, I wish. So it was a it was a women's event. It was a girls' night out, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I wish my husband Jonathan were here because he knows yeah, you so well right. and loves you, and you two are such good friends." I thought, "I want Jonathan to see Lisa Joe in action too." So we'll have to. Hopefully, there'll be another event one day where That's he can. So he precious, can get that That's so dear. I know Peter was so sweet afterwards. I always call him after, and he asked, you know, he's like, "Did you tell the skinny jeans jokes? How did that Aww. go? <laughs> was it that? Was it a skinny jeans audience? Because sometimes you can tell it's, this isn't the environment for yeah. dropping my, you know." three stages of skinny jeans but you know friday night room full of girlfriends yeah it was it, it was really i really it was really fun i just enjoyed every part of it so the only part that made me nervous mm. i mean you think you had something to be nervous about like you know the the uh <laughs> the opportunity and authority given to you to teach these women yeah, yeah. this precious work well the authority that had been given to me <laughs> was to accurately record the sales of your of books, books at your book table. <laughs> I will admit that that actually is the more stressful thing because it so involves stressful. using the square reader, which every time I'm at an event and I hand it over to someone, I'm just so happy. And then they're like, how does it work? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm figure sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I did with some help from the lovely ladies at the table next to me who were members of that church. And I realized in a panic at some point that I needed access to the church's Wi-Fi. Oh, right. I had forgotten that. Yes. And yes. I, I needed their Wi-Fi code in order for the card reader to work. And someone is standing at the table wanting to purchase one of your books. And I want them to do that. And I want to make a success <laughs> of it. And I realized, oh, I don't have the Wi-Fi code. So I asked the woman next to me. She remembers the code. I punch it in. It does not work. No, I've not heard this. This is like the behind the scenes. It doesn't work. And so then I say, are you sure that's right? And then she second guesses herself oh, as no. I would do. And so she says, maybe it's, oh, try this one. And so she gives it to me again, but reminds me, try capitalizing this letter. And so then I do that. 
and it works and I'm connected. And at that point she was my best friend and I wanted to hug her. Um, and the sale worked. There was another sale. Lisa Joe, I did not tell you this. There was a lovely woman standing there after your talk with her credit card. And I swiped that card and I swiped that card and I swiped that card and it wouldn't read. It kept like, you know, like the hourglass that keeps yes, going. It kind yes. of kept doing that. I actually think now, and so fortunately this woman, she was so sweet and really wanted to buy one of your books. And she turned around and she asked her friend, I just need two more dollars oh, cash or something. And then, so she handed me cash and it, so it all worked out. Um, I think maybe her card, re- I wanted to say that it was not my fault and that her card was maybe worn out. I don't know. I was worried you are going to tell me, and so I charged her for five right. bucks. <laughs> well, I hope that didn't happen, although I don't know. You'll get the receipts. But it was we'll such see. a small world because it was so interesting that the woman in charge of the event, mm-hmm. in charge of organizing mm-hmm. the event, let me back up and say, when we were on our way to this church, Christy kept saying, oh my gosh, this is the way we drive to our church. This is the way we drive <laughs> to our church. And when we got there, turns out the woman organizing this event was the daughter of yes a new minister at my church that's so wild and i had no idea i hadn't made that connection and so then i'm standing at your book table before the event and all of a sudden i see all these women i know from my church they had been invited by you know different friends of theirs and because it's local it's mm-hmm. a big event They'd been invited to attend, and they were just as surprised to see me there behind the book table as I was surprised to see them across the table. And so it did. It really felt like a a hometown event. It felt, uh, I think that's why I felt so much pride in you and and what you offered those women. I also loved that I could be there as your friend, and you were there to talk about friendship. Right. So that just added to it. That was the cherry on top. quick break listeners, we'd love to shine a spotlight on friends of the show who help make these conversations possible. This week, we're so delighted to partner with the folks at FabFitFun because four times a year, they deliver joy in a box. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. Lisa Joe, I opened the box during a visit from my mom, and within five minutes, we'd both decided to subscribe. You know, I had the exact same reaction because I actually called you to gush after I opened my box because I was so in love with their cute little rose trinket tray that currently lives right next to my bed. Lisa Joe, would you believe that my favorite item was actually the black and white gym bag? You know, I never stepped foot in a gym, but the bag was so cute and so practical and so foldable. I had a serious internal struggle with myself whether to keep it or give it to my teenage daughter who actually does go to the gym. Each box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. My new discovery was the skin and nail care products, which I don't typically use, but I'm so in love with now that I have to hide them from my daughter. You guys, there are some really amazing brands in these boxes. And if you use our coupon code ORDINARY10 at fabfitfun.com, you can get 10 bucks off your first box. Yep, ORDINARY10 at fabfitfun.com for your own customizable box of joy. What was so special for me is that what I was there to talk about specifically too is this idea of how do we be how do we be women who come alongside our friends to champion them instead of comparing with them? Mm. And I think our friendship is such a testimony to that. Mm -hmm. I've been the beneficiary of such generous friendship from you. 
And that night was really a living example of that. It was like stepping into my own parable somehow. Yeah, <laughs> Here's was. Christy who's come yeah. with me. Before we left to go to the event, her daughter snapped a picture of the two of us because it was like this monumental moment, yeah. you know, all these years of working together. And here you were coming into something that I'd been invited to serve in. And it felt like this beautiful illustration that I shared during this talk. I won't give the whole talk here, but I'll share a highlight because Christy and I have since talked about it quite a bit ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we look around at women, really, we experience this deep desire for women to have close, meaningful friendships yes. on the one hand, right? Yes. Like we really hunger for that, especially here as we get older. I mm -hmm. think the older you get, the more you value friendships that have longevity, that have walked the road with you, that have gone through all the ups and downs mm -hmm. with you, who really know you, who don't just love you from a distance, you know, yeah, on Instagram, yeah, but, but they know, know you. you. You're mm -hmm. both loved and known. Mm -hmm. That is really intimate. So that's the first thing. That's what women really want. Um, and it's funny because it's connected to the second thing was really born out of a conversation I had on a radio interview when I was talking about my first book, Never Unfriended. It was the interviewer was a man. And he says to me, sort of in surprise in the middle of the interview, I guess what I don't get is why we even need a book about friendship between women. Isn't friendship between women just a given? Oh. Like, how's that even a thing you have to write about? Isn't this just a given? We take it for granted. Women are friends, BFFs, wow. squad goals. Wow. <laughs> it was so surprising to hear him say that. And I was so taken aback. And it made me really think, huh. I guess that's a valid question because I understand that mindset. I think most women have that mindset. We all think, I have an eight-year-old daughter. You have two daughters. Yeah, they we, have friends. <laughs> they have friends. And we grow up thinking we're going to have friends and yeah. we're going to be BFFs and we're all going to hang out. And you sort of imagine when you get to the minivan driving years that friendship will be easier than it was mm -hmm. in the middle school years. Mm -hmm. But what I have come to find is that is not always the case. That's right. And so while on the one hand, women have this longing for intimate, meaningful friendship where you're known and loved, on the other hand, the second thing I've discovered in my years of thousands of conversations with women about friendship is that most women also carry quite a bit of baggage from past friendship wounds, mm. from hurts, from slight slights. And, you know, it's kind of a sliding scale, whether it was some small thing where you felt left out or excluded, you had FOMO, all the way up to like deep soul wounds delivered by someone who has betrayed you yeah. in the most painful way that really only a friend can. Yeah. And the older we get, because simply because we've lived longer, the more of that we have. Oh, that's true. And I was uh, at an event recently where I had some women come up and speak to me about how they had offered my Bible study, We Saved You a Seat at Their Church. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons they had chosen to do it is that they were trying to actually reach out to you know, millennials, to college students, even to teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And they, they thought this Bible study would really resonate with that age group because we know that that is a challenging time especially in the social media world. And she said what they were so surprised to discover, though, is that in this group, and it ended up being quite a large group with quite an age span of mm -hmm. women that were doing the Bible study together, she said to me, but the women who kept bursting into tears in every session of the study were our senior citizens. Oh, Yes, the wow. women in their 70s and 80s Aww. cried through almost every one of the Bible study sessions. Gosh. And I said to her, yeah. It's because they've lived longer. Aww. They have acquired 
more time yeah. for more wounds, yeah. more scars. Mm. And so this might seem like a really discouraging conversation. <laughs> the older you live, the worse it gets. Right. But I think that's the honest truth is that in all areas of our life, right, things we just acquire more time to do the hard work mm-hmm. in our marriages, whether it's our parenting, even in our jobs. Mm-hmm. There's just more time. And so there's going to be more room for misunderstanding, miscommunications, and then sometimes like outright hurt and woundedness. Yeah. And so what does it look like then to become women who have friendships that are safe spaces? Like, Mm. how on earth do we do that? What is the secret sauce? And give it to me. I want some. (laughs) You know, like, what does it it take to become what I like to think of as sweatpants friends? Sweatpants are so great. I'm wearing sweatpants right now. I know. Sweatpants don't judge you. I'm wearing leggings, which are even (laughs) like one step up from sweatpants, like in terms of comfort. You know, sweatpants don't judge you. Sweatpants don't care that you haven't showered in three days and that your hair is a mess and that you're just sitting on the edge of the couch couch, eating ice cream right out of the canister and weeping through this is us, you know, (laughs) that's a sweatpants kind of friend. And I have thought to myself, what does it mean to be that kind of person? How do we accomplish that? And I went when I was writing, we saved your seat and never unfriended. I went and spent some time studying what has to be the most dysfunctional friendship triangle in the entire Bible story, which is David, Saul, and Jonathan, right? Just this bizarre set of interactions because there are these two friends and then there's the dad who wants to kill one of the friends. <laughs> it's a, like, it's, it's like a, a soap opera total soap opera. Like here's the young upstart, you know, shepherd boy who becomes a hero and is taken into the royal family. But he's also this, you know, fine young musician who plays for the king. But then all the ladies get a crush on him because it's totally a soap he's a opera. great warrior in the battle and they make up songs about him it's like american idol or something <laughs> they make up songs about him but the songs talk about how great he is and how saul the king has slayed his thousands but david has slayed his tens of thousands and the women swoon and the king becomes jealous and then wants to kill the shepherd boy mm. how is that the logical conclusion of that story it's <laughs> so crazy you guys and so saul vacillates always between his admiration of david and then wants to kill him. And in the meantime, David becomes best friends with the king's son. Mm. What adds a special crazy twist to the story is that then the young upstart is anointed to become the new king of Israel right. and will usurp his new best friend. Yes. How the heck does Jonathan not become the one who wants to kill David? Right. That is what I wanted to know. Jonathan's father is breathing fire and murder his whole life, but Jonathan becomes David's BFF? Mm-hmm. What? Right. So, why weren't they in competition? Right. Why weren't they why wasn't Jonathan constantly comparing himself to this this friend saying, why not me? What's right. wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why can't I, I have should this? be? Why is God taking this from me? And what's so interesting is that Saul's entire legacy is defined by his attempts to kill David, by mm-hmm. his fear of David. But the thing that Saul fears never happens in Saul's lifetime. Mm-hmm. David never becomes king while Saul is alive, mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> but Jonathan could be pretty much guaranteed he knew, well, in my lifetime, that is when it would be come to pass, right? Like when my dad dies and I'm supposed to become the new king, David has been anointed. And so he will, he will, I'll have to abdicate or he, there'll be a coup d'etat. Like who knows what Jonathan thought would happen. So I wanted to understand Jonathan better because I kept thinking, we struggle with the same thing today. We are constantly comparing ourselves to other women. We live in a culture that 
feeds into the comparison cycle as we scroll through Instagram or Facebook or, Mm -hmm. and we experience what I like to call constantly, you know, there you are in your happy Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Maybe miraculously all the dishes got washed and put away and the laundry's folded. It's not put away. Of course it isn't. It's just like on on all the surfaces, right? (laughs) And you just feel deep contentment in your life in that moment. And then you might go down the hallway to take a nap and you crawl into bed. And then if you're me, you pick up your phone to set an alarm, but your Ah. thumb of its own volition, (laughs) without you even realizing what's happening, flicks open Instagram. And there are pictures of writer friends gathered at a retreat that you were not invited to. (laughs) And in that moment, you experience what I like to call a drive by comparison shooting. Mm. It's so unexpected. And there, the moment where you're the most content with where you are is suddenly just exploded into all these fragments of dissatisfaction yeah. in comparison. And it is so hard to try and put back the pieces of that moment that you were loving for something that you realize, if you're being honest, you might not actually even want. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to be at that retreat in that moment. I wanted to be in my bed with my messy hair, in my sweatpants with my people. How do we find some way to arm ourselves against the drive-by comparison shootings of the world? Because comparison is a poison. It's a toxin. When we take it in, it poisons us. It poisons the experience we're in the middle of. It poisons our joy. It poisons the people around us because it spills over into them as we complain about what we don't have. And then it poisons our friendship with the person we're jealous of. Mm. Everything about it is toxic. And I so badly wanted to understand what antidote did Jonathan have? Because I really thought he, he has to have an antidote to comparison that's inoculated him. So he's not poisoned by it. Mm. What is it? What is it? (laughs) So I went to scripture to actually read some of their story because it's very, very interesting. Here they have become friends in the palace. David is now on the run essentially for the next several decades of his life. Saul never reconciles with David and David is always under threat. And it is not romantic to have been anointed king when there is a king out to get you. It's true. He is not living in a palace. He doesn't have ladies swooning all over him. He is living in the wilderness. Every time we hear about this part of his life, he's living in the wilderness. Often there are raiders who've come in, who have you know, run off with all of his belongings, including his wives and his children, and they have to go and track them back down again. Wow. Or they're living in caves, or they're in a village where they think they'll be safe, but then Saul comes out to get them, and David asks God. Is Saul going to try to get me? And God says, yes. And Saul says, will the village hand me over if I stay here? And God says, yes. (laughs) David has to leave again, over and over and over and over and over again. So we pick up the story here in 1 Samuel. This is chapter 23 at verse 15. Here's how it begins. David was in the wilderness of Ziph in Horish when he saw that Saul had come out to take his life. And I feel like you can put in parentheses, again. Again. <laughs> Yet Here again. We are. It's like days of our lives, oh. you know, days of Israel's lives. <laughs> Saul's trying to kill him again. again. <laughs> David is in a cave. And into the midst of this, it says, the most unexpected sentence, then Saul's son Jonathan came to David in Horish 
And what did he do? Encouraged him in his faith in God. You just have to pause right there because Saul has no idea where to find David. He's been looking for him everywhere. And who just strolls up into camp whistling and right (laughs) past the sentries? Jonathan, the king's son. How is that happening right now? You have to know that Obviously, David has put out the word to his mighty men. I love that that's what they're called Mm -hmm. when they're described. His mighty men know that Jonathan is literally trusted with David's life. Mm. Jonathan walks into camp in this moment of despair where David is hiding out again. Saul's trying to kill him again. And what does Jonathan do? He doesn't take that moment to sidle up next to David and whisper in his ear, it's too hard. Maybe it's too difficult. Maybe you misunderstood mm-hmm. when God said you were going to be king. Maybe it's time to just realize you're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jonathan had the power, the authority, and the trust to say any of those things to David. Yeah. And instead, it says that Jonathan encouraged him in his faith in God. And then Jonathan says this shocking sentence saying, Don't be afraid. For my father Saul will never lay a hand on you. You yourself will be king over Israel. And the crown prince then says, and I will be your second in command. Hmm. Christy, I get full body goosebumps when I read that sentence. That instead of trying to assert his own authority, Jonathan tells David, I The crown prince will be your shepherd boy, usurper, Mm. hiding in caves. My father (laughs) wants to kill you. Second in command. It Mm. is mind-blowing. And when you want to understand how was he able to say that, you go back to this sentence where it says, Jonathan encouraged David in his faith in God. Therein lies the difference. There's the secret. There's the antidote. Saul, Saul's faith is in Saul. Saul's agenda is in Saul. Saul is aligned with Saul. Saul is all about Saul's story. But Jonathan, Jonathan wants to understand what God is doing. Mm. Jonathan is aligned with God, not with Saul. And that's why Jonathan is able to say to David, I'll be your second in command, because in doing so, he understands himself to be stepping into line with what God's doing, right? Yeah. And when we understand the work God is doing in the lives of the women around us, instead of seeing ourselves as threatened by them or in competition with them, what if we understood, oh, I want to get in line with what God is doing in her life. What if instead of comparing ourselves, we said to our sisters, I will be your second in command. Mm. Can you imagine how that would change the world? How it would remove from us this huge, constant, disgusting feeling of feeling less than or threatened by or that it's a zero-sum game and I got to get me mine. Right. What if instead we were able to understand that when we say that to another woman, I'll be your second in command, it means that one day when we show up in heaven, we get to claim a piece of the inheritance sown through her life. Mm. You know, I was in South Africa a while ago when I was home and my dad, I went to a prayer meeting with him. And it was a very unique experience because one person would pray and then everybody else would essentially just say, yes, we claim that for them. Hmm. Yes, God, do that in their life. It was loud. Everybody was standing. There are no chairs. (laughs) It was very different than what I was expecting. And then toward the end of the meeting, they were praying for a missions team that had gone up to Zambia. 
And the pastor um, had his cell phone and we actually called the leader of the team. They put the cell phone on speakerphone and they then reported back the work that they were doing in Zambia. And as they were giving the report, everybody in the room was saying, yes, God, we claim that for you. Yes, save those souls in Zambia. Yes, Lord, take that kingdom. Yes, Lord, build your church in Zambia. And I said to my dad afterwards, wow, that was amazing, amazing. I've never seen anything like that. And my dad said, yes, because we believe that you don't even have to set foot in Zambia in order one day to tell God the work done in Zambia, Lord, I was part of that. Mm. I was on that team. I claimed that space for the kingdom. Mm. And I think about that when I think about the lives of the women around us. Mm-hmm. Like I want to show up in heaven one day and say, God, there are thousands of women who did mighty things in your kingdom. And I claim a piece of that spiritual mm. inheritance because I was their second in command. Mm. It changes everything. It is the living antidote to the toxicity of the poison of comparison, if instead of comparing, we choose to encourage. Because you can't do both. You can either compare or you can encourage, but you cannot do both at the same time. The enemy wants you to compare. He will set everything up so that you are tempted to compare. But if in that moment you say to yourself, even out loud, which is what I do when I'm scrolling Instagram, I will say to myself, no, 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 she's not a threat to you. You're not in competition with her. You, Lisa Job, will be her second in command. And then I actively speak those words into her life, whether it's a comment I leave or a message I text her or I reshare something she's trying to um, build or grow or promote. I reshare it and tell people, come and do this alongside my sister. That's what it looks like to be Mm -hmm. a Jonathan who says, I will be your second in command. That is how you step out of the soap opera. That is how you say, no, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to be part of the story God is writing, not part of whatever this crazy, you know, covetous circle is that Satan is trying to pull me into. And I just could see what was so dear to me was to give that message from the stage and then look down and see you, my friend, Mm. who was my second in command (laughs) that night, sitting there laughing and crying and clapping and ministering to my soul, honestly, in a way that healed broken parts of me where Mm. people haven't wanted to do that, who have been jealous, who've been angry, who've been resentful. Those scars are real. And I know so many women carry that. Mm. When somebody else actively takes the role of your second in command, it's a spiritual revolution that makes you want to just go out and do that for every other woman mm. that you come across. And it's why when we the next day hosted the placemaker party here, it was my delight to get up and say a word, speak a blessing over you, do a That's toast right. and a reading for you. Were you were my second that day. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. And I can say uh, that it is so much fun fun to be a second. I think the really wonderful thing about being someone's second is that you get all of the excitement and um, just enjoyment of being a part of God's story, of something Mm. powerful that He is doing, but without a lot of the pressure, without being the one on the stage. And as much as we may sometimes think, it's all about me, and I want it to be all about me, what an exhausting way to live. it's It's way too much. And so, uh, being second is, I think, <laughs> just a lot more fun. You're a part of the party without feeling as if the mm-hmm. party somehow, re- you know, depends on you. And I think we move in and out of those those roles, and we really did that in a dramatic way 
last weekend. weekend. Yeah. yeah. Friday, you were my second, and Saturday, I was yours. And we're the richer for it. You know, mm-hmm. it's what makes our friendship, I think, continue to thrive in such unique ways because it is exciting to see what God is doing in somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And then it's exciting to remind them of that because mm-hmm. that's what Jonathan did. He reminded David what God had promised David. Mm. He reminded David what God had said he would do in David's life. He then became the support when David himself was having a hard time holding on to that. And so I'm going to say to you, my dear, dear listeners, what I said to the women that Friday night, when you're done listening to this, pick up your phone and immediately think of one woman, at least one woman you could send a text message to and just say, hey, I want you to know I see what God is doing in your life. And I want you to know I am going to champion that for you. Because often we think those things but we don't always say it. Yeah. And there's such power in speaking those words because I think we speak life into her. And at the same time, we speak an antidote into ourselves that continues to inoculate us mm. against future comparison. Because unfortunately, I wish there was another end to the story, but unfortunately, it is an ongoing battle. One sure. constantly has to fight. You're never cured of comparison, I don't think. Mm. But we live in the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are given the tools to actually speak life against what Satan is trying to accomplish and into our sisters. And we are the ones who are changed because of it. We are the ones who are richer for it because we get to be Jonathan. Yeah. So thank you. I just want to look at you across the room and say thank you. Thank you for that night. It Mm. was one of my favorite speaking memories ever. Oh, that makes me so glad. I will be your second anytime. Anytime. All the time. As often as I can. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why don't you take a sec right now, scroll down in your podcast app, and hit that subscribe button. Which simply means that new episodes will pop up in your podcast app every week for free. 